We're back! We're back! It's a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. How you doing, Roth? I'm good, man. What's happening? I have a bone to pick with you, sir. Let's hear it. You said last night, um, it was after Michaela Schifrin, uh, uh wiped out the Olympics and didn't medal. You said you don't care for the skiing events at the Olympics. And to you, sir, I say... Fie! Fie on you! Well, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and appropriate Norge culture. I feel like I enjoy the idea of doing ski jumping. I can't really watch ski jumping and get anything out of it. Well, isn't that the point, though? The point is that you can't do it, so you watch the other people risk their yeah. lives and go flying through the fucking era. <laughs> I, I feel like with the other one, the issue for me is just that, like, I like watching the, like, super G and stuff, like the super hard-seeming skiing stuff is is pretty tight to me. But again, it's the same sort of thing where I'm like, wow, that looks really scary, or like, wow, that would hurt a lot. But it's not, <laughs> it's not stuff that I know how to do. Uh, but they kind of all blends together into one, uh, you know, sort of mass to me. I guess in the same way that, like, luge and skeleton to me are just a matter of taste. Like, one way or another, you're clearly trying to... Uh, harm yourself and it's just a matter of how you what part of your body you present first for punishment it was actually this year i realized that downhill is my favorite olympic event like of all the olympic events winter or summer Mm -hmm. like i just get absolutely fucking pumped up to to see skiers launch themselves at 90 miles an hour down like blue painted roads in ice (laughs) yeah that a mountain pitched at a slope of like 89 degrees. Yeah, it's right? always the most nightmarishly bad snow, too. Like, it doesn't, beyond the fact that it doesn't look like fun because it's basically just a car crash that you're opting into minus a car, there's also the fact that it's like, it's always, yeah, like you said, like this, like, gleaming tarmac of, like, impacted fake snow. It is it is the meanest fucking shit, and it's all ice. You know damn well it's all ice. Yeah. And I love it! I can't get enough of it. I like the types of people that do it, that there's always these, like, I mean, it was more, I remember this from when I was a kid, that there would always be these, like, super austere German guys that, like, they, you know, like, they wouldn't have anything for the announcers to go on, but they'd be like, like, Peter hates Hans, by the way. Yeah. Like, they're not close friends. Yeah. And that yeah, was the whole like- shit. That was all there was to know about any of these guys, was who they were mad at. Just super robotic East German dudes who like <laughs> look like Bond villains, and they're like, "Well, you know, some people say he enjoys playing checkers, and like that's all they can get from him—just blood from a fucking stone." <laughs> like he's often compared to the blonde guy from Die Hard. Yeah, but I I love watching him ski. Hey, it's Super Bowl week! Oh my God! Ross, oh wow! I almost forgot it. because I was so excited to watch the Super G. That's right, and our our guest this week. To celebrate the occasion is Yahoo's Andy Barons. Hi, Andy, one of our favorite guests. How you doing? I am doing well. Uh, thank you. I, I, are we talking about the Super Bowl? Or are we talking about uh, Matt Eberflus and, and Kevin O'Connell? Wow. Yeah. By the way, is it called? Is it pronounced Matt Eberflus? I've settled on Eberflus. Uh, okay. And I'll need to be corrected by the team itself if I'm gonna if I'm gonna veer I, away. His name from sounds that. like an OTC medication. I'm but just I'm gonna hear to it in my head in Eddie Vedder's voice until I hear it in like Al Michaels' voice. There it is. Yeah, terrific. Sounds great. Uh, Andy, uh, you are uh, a fantasy football expert. And I uh, shit you not, I asked Roth, I said, shouldn't Barons come on to talk Super Bowl? And I think I think Roth said, 
well, does he like like regular football? Like, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he likes regular football. I mean, I know shithead. you know about it, but it might be this like by the time you get to this time of year and you don't have to be talking about like flex options or something, maybe you've just like checked out and you're reading Russian novels. He's or not Glenda from The Office just playing for cash. All like right. he's like he, he actually likes football and she's like, isn't that right, Andy? It's really nice when you get to the the end of the regular season and we don't have to do a show anymore and I don't have to answer sit start questions anymore and yeah. you know, I don't have to write pickups columns about players that I don't really believe in, but I got to find eight names, you know, and you could just <laughs> sit down and like experience the sport as you used to as a, as a sort of wasted wandering youth. Right. I can just, I could just drink and, and enjoy it a little bit and I don't have yeah. to like rewatch games. I don't have to, you know, it's great. It's awesome. I don't have to assess Salvin Ahmed's possible yes. <laughs> utility as a flex option or whatever. Yeah. There are, there uh, are moments it, when like, like a playoff game or a primetime game where I'm like, I sit there and I'm like, wait a second. I'm not watching this game for money. I'm just watching it for pleasure. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not. yeah. <laughs> like it takes me completely out of it. And uh, so I, we wanted to have you on. I mean, first, we're going to ask you some very basic Super Bowl shit. And I'm going to ask you and Roth, do you guys make plans for the Super Bowl? Are you going to have a party? You're going to have like 50 of your favorite maskless friends over, like for a shindig? Yeah, we're having a. I'm having a 2017 themed party where all my friends are gonna come over. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm gonna be on fucking Slack working like <laughs> you. <laughs> like that's the spirit. That's the way you grind. Andy, are you doing anything special for the Super I'm Bowl? I'm actually. Uh, we're going on vacation. Like I. Nice. No I, shit. I did not. I did not get uh, sent to LA because Yahoo has so many people in LA, right? So I'm not really doing any work this week other than writing a few things so we're we're leaving for the caribbean on friday and i hope to be at, at an outdoor bar um just a just shit-faced um watching this Hell thing yeah. can oh, i God. ask you where in the caribbean you're going st john no shit so there's a little bar I'm called skinny going legs to st. John. where i intend to in, be wait Drew, are you st. John actually going to st john drew I, are you are you? Do- but you just said no shit. I'm going to St. John, Drew. Yeah, I'm going in April. With my oh, family. all right. That's right. I didn't know if you guys were, like bumping into each other a week after <laughs> recording a podcast on a. <laughs> Actually, Roth, Andy, and I are relocating to St. John permanently, and he'll be the new co-host. <laughs> Terrific. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I'm glad that you guys are going to be doing it live. I'm especially happy for Brandon getting to record on site. I guess I'll yeah. just focus on writing blogs about New York City's weird mayor. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great that you got to you're, you're going on vacation. I, I salute you for that. I also I I was uh, obviously I didn't go to L.A. to cover the Super Bowl. We actually we have we have a staffer in L.A. and Diana Moskovitz anyway. Um, but like usually around Super Bowl week or at least pre-pandemic, there was always sort of the discourse around the location and how reporters felt about being in location. Like you know if they went somewhere cold, they bitched. Or if they went to Miami, they like they went to like a, a shitty party like hosted by Maxim, you know, and like Justin Verlander would show up and stuff like that. <laughs> and there's like it doesn't seem like even though you know, even though, you know, the pandemic is still going on, people are pretty much kind of coming out of their shells anyway. They're going to games in full and all that stuff. But I haven't gotten any of that sort of um I don't know. I don't feel like I've gotten any of that sort of feel for the Super Bowl city. From the Super Bowl, and I'm not entirely sure why, because LA is a fucking great town, Andy. I don't know what's going on. 
Yeah, no, I, I mostly I mostly agree with that. There are a handful of people that are doing radio row things. You're you're right. It's not quite the same vibe. The the one time that I was actually sent to do the full media experience for the entire week of of uh, Super Bowl was the Minneapolis year. Um, and <laughs> oh, same man, for us, you, actually. You poor bastard. <laughs> they they showed up, or we showed up. It's uh, it, you know it was probably the warmest day of the week, and it was like 18 degrees or 17 degrees <laughs> or something like that. And the producer, the producers were like, "Hey, we've got this great idea. You can do a polar plunge in the um, in the little <laughs> Super Bowl village that they set up, and we've got you signed up. And here's the time that you're doing it. And uh, it, you know, so it was Brad Evans so and I." They- they signed you up without asking you. There was some discussion of it, um, and right. then we, and then pretty soon I was, you know, in some icy water with Brad Evans, uh, floundering around, and and it was. I've never done anything like that. I don't intend to do it again. Uh, don't recommend the polar plunge. Uh, I I hope that some charity was supported. I don't remember, and it just got <laughs> colder and colder after that. We were there that week too, Drew and I for Deadspin. That was one of my first assignments. There was doing video stuff with him, and it was all. Like polar plunge was like the one um, cold weather prank on yourself type activity that we didn't do. <laughs> you know, like we'd play broom ball and we went snowmobiling and stuff. And it was great, but it was also like, it was a level of being cold that because I just, I didn't have like the clothes for it. Yeah. That I've really like not experienced before. Like I didn't yeah. have, like I needed like much uglier boots than I owned <laughs> because like in New York, it's, you don't really need it. You know, and out there it was like, no, you need something that's like got a like a quarter inch of like thinsulate surrounding yeah. everything so that your whatever body does not lose feeling. Yeah. Everybody in Minnesota knew how to dress. They all had like Gore-Tex from head to toe and they looked fucking jolly as could be. I mean, I'm standing out there in like track pants and like yeah. like a puffer like a puffer coat from Eddie Bauer. Like, whoa, oh, my nipples are gonna fall right off. It my was body. really fun. What I remember about that was we so we got a, a Airbnb of like a house because we were there with Jorge, our producer, and like McQuaid came in later in the week. That's it right. Was, it was really nice, but it we was. did shoot some like video stuff there. Like Drew made his chili on camera and stuff like that. And I kept thinking about how embarrassing it would be for the people that rented us that house to like happen upon that video and it's just two bloggers chopping onions being like i can't wait to eat this chili it seems so good like i think that's like honestly more embarrassing than finding out that your home was used for like an amateur pornography (laughs) (laughs) we also uh we we were not credentialed for the game because like to get Super Bowl credentials for the game, you have to apply eight years in advance, yeah. And you have to be a friend of Roger Goodell's and stuff like that. Uh, but you could apply for a credential for like the activity week, like to go to Radio Row and then like see like sad ass Joe Theismann like talking like some <laughs> sh- like beefer in the squelch or whatever the fuck. And we didn't even bother to do that. So we did. We went to Minneapolis for the Super Bowl, but we didn't actually cover any of the the actual Super Bowl stuff. The time I covered the Super Bowl like on Radio Row, was in New York at like a fucking Marriott in Midtown. And I saw oh, Mike yeah. Dicka walking around looking like he was going to... I can't believe Mike Dicka hasn't died yet, Andy Barons. Like the, when I saw him live, I was like, that is the unhealthiest motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yep. He's come around though. He's like touched to the ultimate and at this point cannot be killed. Like the only, <laughs> the only thing that could harm him is if like the Saints hired him again or something. But I think, like, otherwise, he's... I, someone was telling me a story about seeing him at a, the steakhouse that he owns, and he was at the bar smoking a cigar, and he was wearing a sweater that just said Ditka on the front of it. 
like in case he wasn't identifiable enough. Hey, that's me. Yeah, like it's like the absolute. It's the apex, like the like tired, wired binary of me wearing the gross gas T-shirt for sale in the defector store. It's like Ditka wearing a woven sweater with his last name on it. They had he had two guys on Radio Row flanking him, and it wasn't like muscle. It was like caretakers, because like if he stepped on a paperclip, he would just like explode into like a pile of dust. So it was like it was the the weirdest shit. Uh, I, let's talk about the. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh Aaron. no, I was just gonna say, like a, a million years ago, when I was writing for ESPN, I covered. Now I'm blanking on the name of the movie. Kicking and Screaming was Mike Ditka mm-hmm. in a movie yeah, called yeah, Kicking the, and Screaming, the, the Will Ferrell movie. Yes, with Robert they, Duvall. They had a premiere party at Ditka's restaurant in Chicago, and I, you know, I'm sure I looked really young, but I'm covering it for ESPN, and I've got my little notebook and I've got my little recorder, and I, I, I walked up to him in the in the restaurant itself um you know obviously he's like the you know he's the centerpiece of the evening uh everybody is everybody is deferring to him uh he's mike dicka it's chicago it's his restaurant and all that and i walk up to him and i i think i clearly look like a reporter even though i look like a kid reporter and um before i get a word out of my mouth he says i ain't signing a damn autograph any any sort of (laughs) sulked away and like first of all why not? Um, you're, yeah. you're not doing anything. You're just like sitting at the bar here. And number two, I thought I, I thought I looked a little more professional than that. Devastating. That's tough. It really was. I was wondering when you were telling that story, if he just took the notebook out of your hand and wrote his name on it, <laughs> passed it back to you and was like, have a great night, kid. But it's like neither one is really any less demeaning than the other. Hey, uh, how excited are you for this game, Andy? Is this it? I think this is a pretty fucking good game. I'm terrified that we had six great, like, classic games in a row in these playoffs. Yeah. And that means, like, the law of averages says this game will end 40 to 10. <laughs> I'm scared of that, but I, I want that to not be true. What do you think? No, I'm really excited because I think, um, first of all, I think the Bengals are a party, right? Like, they're, yeah. they're yes. this young team ahead of schedule, really fun skill players. They are... Um, what, one of the things that we've really seen in the postseason is that they are super adaptable like they will they will change on the fly like you saw that in the Kansas City game right like they couldn't they couldn't stop them from scoring they couldn't stop them from getting first downs in the first half and then and then nothing in the second they were like they just changed things up beautifully right like they 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 make adjustments that work that's fun um the, Burrow himself, super exciting. Chase, obviously, really exciting. And then the the Rams are a bit of a party too, because you don't like from moment to moment you have no idea what Matt Stafford is going to do. Right? He's yeah. the most chaotic uh, uh, force like but remaining uh, on either one of these teams. Right? Led the league in interceptions in an otherwise flawless season. Like it's, he's just yeah. he's he's fun as well. He's like every possible definition of the phrase. He can make any throw. Like he, like yes. he can, he can make the really hard ones, but he can also make the weird like end stage Eli Manning throws where he's just like, I'm just going to throw it straight up in the air. See what happens. It's also like, it's yeah. just kind of wild that they're here because you know, he like, he threw that ball that, that should have been intercepted by Tart and not, you know, Niners fans don't want to revisit that. Um, but they were very close to losing that title game. And if they do lose that title game, um, the story we're telling about Matt Stafford and Sean McVay is super different, right? Like yeah. it's just, uh, they, they should have lost it. I mean, Kyle Shanahan should have gone for that fourth and two Tart should have intercepted that ball. And if either one of those things happen, um, they're, they're not here. Yeah. I, I like the Rams more than I would have expected to. I think in part, because like, I, I do give extra credit to teams that go for it that are like, and they're yeah. obviously, I mean, they've completely mortgaged the next few years on 
you know, this season and guess probably also next season. I think it's cool to see a team doing that. Like it's obviously there's less like that kind of process style tanking in the NFL, but like this is what you're supposed to do. If you can get really good players and you're willing to like trust them to get you to the Super Bowl, like good. I'm glad you made it to the Super Bowl. Right. No, they're the they're the dynasty fantasy manager who trades away yeah. like every first round pick forever. Um yep. be- because they feel like they have a good roster this year. It feels next like year. one of those like Daniel Snyder rosters where he would just like <laughs> sign guys like you just open a pack of football cards from like five years earlier and be like, is Sean Gilbert, is that a real guy? And See, then they that, would just get him. That's what I was that's what I was gonna ask because traditionally, historically, that's what this has been. Like it's 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 the the commanders. I, I I'm gonna take. It's gonna take me a while to get used to. Call them the Durs. We'll call them the like Durs. Trading a second <laughs> rounder for like T.J. Duckett as their yep. like final piece. Like <laughs> like teams just giving away as many draft picks as they can, all because they think they can win now. And it's never worked until now. Yeah. Like they are, they're actually in the Super Bowl. So I can't tell Andy whether or not this is just a one time deal, or if the Rams just proved like. That like this normal like way, uh, you know this what used to be just sort of like like you said like a fantasy football guy, like like assembling a team just willy nilly just from players he has heard of right around the league. Yeah, but they've well, managed to they've managed to put together a roster of guys who are like actually in their prime and very good right now. It's not yeah. like these are you know fading stars or anything like that. Like Aaron Donald's going to be good for a while. Um, Cooper Cup is at his absolute best right now. Um, Cam Akers has miraculously come back from this Achilles thing. He hasn't run that well in the postseason, but it's good to see him upright. Um, Likes yeah. to fumble a bit too much. Yeah. Him, so. yeah, he sure does. And like, this is as good as Matt Stafford has been. So it's not, it's not like they have guys who are just absolutely on their last legs. In fact, I like you think about it and, and Cincinnati has this incredibly young core, like all the skill guys are like 22, 23, 24 years old. But um, the, in, in my mind, there's like, there's at least as much pressure on them to win this game because look at the, the freaking AFC, like, you think Josh Allen is never going to get to a Super Bowl? Is Patrick Mahomes never going to get back to a Super Bowl? Is Justin right. Herbert going to get to one? Is Lamar Jackson going to get to like this? This shit is hard. Like they might right. never get back. You know, Joe Burrow could win two or three MVPs and Cincinnati might never sniff this game again. So um, that's that's just a gauntlet in the AFC. Like they there's almost it almost seems more likely to me that the Rams get back to this game than the Bengals. That's a really good point. I mean, I, just, I guess because the Bengals seem have been so good you know for the last month and then also because of the fact like you said that all their best players are like you know second third you know seasons I guess I just I you know I do this every year like I feel like we did this at the like start of this season talking about the Bucks, where I was like well they won last year so they'll probably win again (laughs) and like I just sort of like it's very hard for me to think about how like um, like not think of these teams completely in isolation. Like all of these players can get better, and it also might not matter in terms of getting to the Super Bowl. Well, the Bucks were different because about. they were returning literally every starter from a Super Bowl team. Yeah, like all yeah. twenty-two starters. So it was. It only made sense to be like, okay, yeah. And then Tom Brady had, you know, MVP season in his last season. He's not going to win the MVP. I don't think. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to win it. But uh, you know, I, I don't think it would have been. You know, I, I think normally at the beginning of a season, I'm hunting around for reasons to not pick a repeat champion because I think it would be boring. And I want to like I want to be astute and like the guy who bucks the trends. But like, you know, it, it just seemed obvious this time around. And then it, it wasn't. So did you have a really long position on the Bengals this year, Drew? I remember you were like right on the Cardinals last year, I think. 
Was I? I don't know. If I no, I I think I picked the Bengals to have like four or five wins. I didn't think Zach Taylor was worth a shit, and I'm still not certain that he is. Like Andy, I I think like I read about um, I read about the defensive game plan that the Bengals had for the Chiefs, where they dropped they had like eight guys in coverage on on every player in the second half, and that was because of their defensive coordinator, who was. And this is where we edit out me looking up something. <laughs> Oh, I always screw up his name. Uh, oh, uh, it's because of their defensive coordinator, the legendary Lou Anarumo. Okay. So I don't know whether, uh, you know, whether he's actually a boy genius or whether or not he's just a pud who stumbled into a great quarterback, a great wideout, and a competent defensive coordinator. I can't tell, Andy. Can you? It's it's wild if you look at where the Bengals were, even, I mean, shoot, uh, forget forget at the end of the 2020 season. Think about the start of 2021. Yeah. Their, win, their win total is six and a half. That's what, that's what Vegas thinks of them, right? Six and a half. It's one of the lowest win totals in the entire league. Um, Zach Taylor is, is assumed to be one of the, like one of the most likely guys to get fired early in the season. Good candidate to like, it was almost a surprise that he retained his job after the second season, right? Like everybody's down on him. Everybody's down on the Bengals generally. If anybody is talking about this team at a national level, it's about um, the the rust that uh, the local media is talking about with Joe Burrow in uh, in training camp, right? And it's about the number of passes that that Jamar Chase has dropped, not only in the preseason but in practices, right? Like there's yeah, there's, yeah it, it's one that. one of those things that you notice in fantasy. Um, preseason coverage is always full of sunshine. And so you tune all of that out, like all the hype you have to tune out. But if beat writers are saying negative things about the guys they're watching, that is a heat, like, you know, antenna goes up. You're like, whoa, maybe we have to react to this because we just don't hear any negativity um, during camp season. But there was a shit ton of it involving the Bengals. And so the fact that they're here um, is really remarkable. Um, I mean, you mentioned what they what they what they did against Kansas City, um, rushing three or, or four and dropping like seven or eight that shit works against Matt Stafford. Um, and that's, that's one Ooh. of the, that's one of the reasons that, that I really like, I was surprised to see this thing open at four, four and a half. Um, if, if you look at Stafford on the season, he's just destroyed the blitz. I think it's something like, uh, you know, I think he's thrown one, one of his 18 interceptions has come against the blitz. And when you rush four or fewer, it, he's thrown 17 picks. Like that's where you get it. <laughs> Holy shit. So if, if, it's like if Cincinnati just does the thing that we just saw them do to Patrick Mahomes, that has been over the course of the season, the recipe for beating Matt Stafford. And like, I don't know, I feel like this should be a much closer line than it, than it opened at. Four and a half. I don't agree with that line, Sal. <laughs> you feel like, you feel like Vegas has any idea what to do with this? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that is, Vegas. it's crazy that that's, cause that sounds like a, a trigger discipline issue with Stafford, right? That it's just like, he's going to throw the ball no matter what. And it, like, that was what was so strange about watching the Chiefs in the second half of that. Is Mahomes really is pretty disciplined about throwing the ball into coverage like that. And so you have plays like that, you know, the, the really huge sack at the end of the, I guess it was the regulation that like. Oh God! He had the ball for like twenty seconds, but he wasn't going to make a dumb throw. There just wasn't an open guy to throw it to. Yeah, every sack on him was a coverage sack, and that was like the best coverage sack I had ever ever seen. Yeah, it was incredible because it looked like because it looked like the uh, because they were uh, I I can't remember the exact uh, line marker they were at when they ran that play, 
But it looked like the, a field goal was like a guarantee. And they ended up making the field goal, but not without – but that sack set them back like literally 20 yards. And I was in the basement, and my kids and my wife could hear me yelling. like, And not like <laughs> not like yelling in anger, just like, oh, my God, holy shit. <laughs> oh, boy, like here we go. Like I sound like fucking Romo in the booth. And <laughs> I came up, and my, my wife and my kids were like, what, what the fuck were you doing down there? I mean, like. Do you like break down the all twenty two for them so they could understand why you were so excited? <laughs> but yeah, I I love I love myself a good coverage sack, especially when the spy. Because in that case, the spy and I. Uh, who was the player who made the sack, Andy? I hate to ask. Oh shoot, I'm I'm blanking on who made it's the play. Sam something. I'm forgetting his last name, but it was Sam Hubbard. All right, all right. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, I, I watched Sam Hubbard. Sam Hubbard's job was to spy Mahomes on that play. And eventually Mahomes got so flustered he couldn't go anywhere. And Hubbard was like, fuck it, I'm going to go get him. And he runs at him. And you can see him coming out of the right-hand side of the screen just like a fucking missile. And yeah, I was like, he's oh, doing the, the, shit. The Robert Patrick Terminator 2 run, just straight <laughs> line right at yeah. Mahomes. It was bitching. It was so fucking cool. So I think what you're saying, Andy, is that there is a possibility I could see that again. Oh yeah, and then you like you think of the the interception that that turned the game that was thrown into like like a good ball too um, that he that Mahomes put on the receiver just a great just a great play by a defender to tap it back to another defender right like that's um, Matt Stafford will do that he'll he'll you know he has supreme confidence in his own arm and the playmakers that they obviously have um, maybe it's different with uh, when Eli Apple is one of the corners I don't I don't know we'll, like we'll see but this is like the recipe for Cincinnati winning this game I, I'm pretty sure involves a, a couple of Stafford turnovers and that is very much in play the Eli Apple redemption arc is yeah. especially gratifying for me yeah, uh, as a Giants fan, yeah. Gi- I mean, whatever. I never really liked him with the Giants, but it's like of all the guys, like this is like if like Aaron Mabin had like a really big sack in a game. Like this is just <laughs> a dude that I think of as an infamous bust who was also bad vibes. And like, look at him now, man. He's like, he has the exact same amount of confidence in his shit that Jalen Ramsey does, even though he's still Eli Apple. I think that's great to see. And the other thing is that uh, with Stafford Barons is – it, at least once a game, if not more, I will see Stafford hobble off the field. So <laughs> there's always the indication that there's always the chance that he will be playing fine, and then he will like he will tear his labrum in eight different places, <laughs> like during the course of a game. Like he gets up, shaking his thumb. way through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, the shaking of the thumb. That's like that's such a quarterback move. Like yeah. oh, oh, I dislocated it in nine <laughs> places. Like they go over and like a trainer like looks at it and like well we're just. Tug on a little and like bit sprays something oh. mysterious on it, and then he's yeah, <laughs> that should do it. Yeah, you did play for the Lions for eleven years, so hopefully this spray will undo the effects of you just getting your fucking clock cleaned for a decade behind the worst offensive line in the sport. Uh, by the way, I, I want to talk about uh, issues off the field uh, because the Texans just hired your own man, Lovey Smith, Andy Barons, as their head coach. Lovey Smith, who no one thought will get another chance to be a head coach in the NFL. Got one, and whether or not that counts as the NFL with the Texans, I'm not certain. Do you think that he can make anything of that shit show down there, or has he basically been hired just to groom Josh McCown to be the coach so that they can they can make him the interim coach? Yeah, in like eight weeks. It seems season? pretty clear, um, given given the enthusiasm that they had about Josh McCown last year, um, that he was the perhaps the intended hire this year, and and it's just too like. 
I mean, they're how much are they how much are they paying Kali to not coach that team? Isn't it like $22 million over the next several years to not coach oh gosh, that team? A, I thought it was just a two-year contract. That's crazy. That I'm good for him. He got done dirty. Great for him. Great for him. But yeah. he's getting like a lot of million dollars to not coach that team. And there's no way that the actual plan was was to pay someone that much money to not coach your team and then just promote Lovey Smith. Like there's no way that was the plan. Um, so by the way, you are, you are correct. Uh, Cully got a $22 million contract from the Texans yeah. and, and only earned 5 million of it because he was fired after one year. So they, they're paying him 17 million to just chill out, which is, you know, very nice if you're David Cully, but still weird, weird situation for, I mean, first of all, like, I think it's good for that team to just have like a grown up as it's, as it's head coach, somebody who's done it before and is gonna, you know, is extremely even keel. I mean, well, he had a good record with the Bears, made it to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman as his quarterback. So these are these are good resume items, right? Like yeah. I don't think he's a bad hire, just sort of in a vacuum. There's just no way he was the intended hire. No, he also he got butt fucked in Tampa because he was like he was the head coach. He was sort of middling, and they fired him so that they could elevate Dirk Ketter to the head yeah. coach because they were like, oh, we can't can't lose Dirk Ketter. Just no, I mean he was. <laughs> He went sub 400 at, at Arizona State. You just don't, you don't lose a talent like that. So, you know, I always think of Lovey as someone who got wrong the two places they went in the NFL. But also, he was he went to Illinois and he was fucking terrible. Yeah, they were terrible. There. Couldn't recruit. They were terrible. But he has a fantastic beard. So I don't, I don't know where I fall. The Texans this. are repellent. I guess it's a word that you could use there. But they're also the, I think, the most interesting NFL organization to me because, like, they really are dedicated to making Josh McCown their coach. Like, they've shown more long-term planning on elevating this backup quarterback, Dingleberry, that's never coached <laughs> anywhere. Like, they've taken a, it's a three- to five-year plan to make him their head coach, and nothing else about the organization shows any foresight or planning at all. Like, this yeah. is the number one goal, it feels like. Yeah, I think that I think that's right. And meanwhile, they have a franchise quarterback who's accused of many, 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 many crimes, and they just like Cully did his job by making them have a quiet, unnoticeable season, unlike yeah. the Jaguars or some other team. Did his job capably, and they're gonna. I guess they they just want Lovey Smith to do that again until they can hire McCown and say, "Oh, now we're ready to be prominent." Like that's gonna be like their. They're like re coming out party as a franchise is when they hired Josh fucking McCown. <laughs> yeah. With it Davis like Mills. I can't, I can't defend it, can't explain it. Like, Cully and that, that team generally got more out of Davis Mills than I could have ever imagined. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, Davis Mills, in my mind, was always the kid in college who would like dig a huge hole for his team and then, and then miraculously maybe kind of sort of get him out of it. Um, but, he was another one of those guys, like at the college level, a bit like Matt Stafford, like anything could happen. Um, he could, you know, he, he could make the worst throw or the best throw that you'd ever seen. And he, he just had a really good first season, uh, arguably as good as any rookie quarterback in this class. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I didn't imagine that Cully had done anything fireable. There were, there were a lot of firings this year where I was just like, wow, where did that kind you know, Flora's obviously being the most glaring example, yeah. but, but there, yeah. there were, there were terminations this year where it just, it just made no sense on the, on the it surface. It feels like the, the Cully thing to me, I, there's no, it doesn't seem to me any like football justification for firing him. It really feels like one of those things where they were ditching him because they thought they could get away with hiring McCown. Then the Flores news cycle happened and they had to be like, oh, yeah. wow. All right. Like, which is weird. So that's like we found the thing that is sufficiently shaming 
to make an NFL owner change direction. Because I think they had to know <laughs> yes. that like you just can't do it while that like while people are still reading that complaint. Then you hire a guy that's never coached before who's like 39 and is in the well, same like, Bible. Well, I believe Flores was a finalist for that job, right? So you he can't, was. You yeah. can't give it to Josh McCown if Brian Flores, who has gone, who's won 19 games in the last two seasons with freaking Tua and Brissett and Fitzpatrick, right? Like you yeah. can't. How, how do you give the job to McCown? Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's take a break and come right back. And we're back with Andy Barons. Andy Barons, you want to dive into the fun bag, or do you want to talk a little baseball first? Ugh. Is that going to happen? Is there going to be baseball? Is baseball well, off? That, is that canceled? That That is the question, Andy Barons and David Roth. Da- Roth, I'm going to put it to you, because talks uh, between the union and MLB, they got together and they, they spoke last week, and those talks were reported to be heated. And heated is always such a great reporter word. Like if, like if, like the players and owners just like, went at each other with machetes and shit. Like the report would say it was heated, a bit contentious even. So no progress was made. And then Jeff Passan of ESPN said that the delay felt inevitable. And this week, owners asked federal mediators to come in and to help solve the the impasse. Although I think we all agreed that, that the owners basically did that. So it sounded like they really wanted to get a deal, even though they don't. So my question to you, Roth, and also to Andy Barons is, do you think, because it seems to me like missing games at the beginning of the season is inevitable, but it seems to me like we are on a, a pretty concrete path to missing a full season altogether. Would that make a difference for MLB owners if they lost the entire season, Roth? Yes. That's why I think it won't happen. I don't think they're going to lose a whole season. I don't know that they're going to lose regular season games. I think they're they're probably hoping that you can afford to lose a few weeks of spring training. And because it's not 1955 and all of these guys work like a meat packing job during the off season, like they're taking care of themselves. They're training. They probably don't need six weeks of it. You know, there's still to me, like the concern is just that like the call for the mediator seems obviously pretty cynical to me. It also like the bigger issue is I don't think the owners had a plan going into all this. I think they called the lockout because they thought the players would break. The players didn't break. They've got a message that makes sense. And it seems like it's, you know, sort of winning in the court of public opinion for whatever that's worth. I don't think the owners have uh, an exit strategy for any of this shit. And I think that while they could just call off the lockout and play under last year's CBA, which is like that's normal while they negotiate a new one. The part that worries me is that I I think these guys are... um, pretty dumb and pretty vain. And I think that this is, and I think they're also under duress at this point. So I don't know. It's hard to say like what they're going to do or not do. And they could always get it really wrong. Does that make sense to you, Andy? Or am I like thinking myself into circles? On I, you, well, that, that there, um, that there's a lot of dumb people making decisions right now feels very on point. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> that part I'm fairly confident in actually. I, I, I keep going back to the fact that like in 2020, when they were trying to decide exactly what that little abbreviated season was going to look like, the owners were completely indifferent to regular season games. Like they didn't want any of them, right? Like they didn't yeah. want to be burdened with the regular season. So I suppose that's why I feel like it's possible that we don't get, I mean, not likely that we don't get any sort of regular season, but if they could, if they could, I don't know, trim this down to 80 games, 60 games, I think they'd be totally happy with that. Um, 
they say, again, they just seemed like agnostic to the regular season just, just a couple of years ago. I, yeah. I also find it really weird that like, you know, you'll read these articles about the, the state of negotiations such as they are. And um, it, it'll, it'll tell you that, Oh, the owners are meeting. So they aren't expected to have any conversations whatsoever with the players for like four days. Like how, like, <laughs> How, 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 what, what how? else are you doing? Right. Yes, it is like zero, zero urgency whatsoever. Where the Senate goes off and they're just like, oh, we traditionally take uh, three weeks in April off. No one knows why. <laughs> like, it's like one of those deals where it's kind yes. of like you have one job right now, which is to like fucking get to yes with these guys. Like, what is the owner of the Colorado Rockies doing? That he can't right. like be in a hotel conference room having that conversation right now. That is that is a Senate move where they're like they gotta get this bill passed before Tuesday because after Tuesday Senate goes into recess for eight months. So yes, like- so good. <laughs> there have been uh, I think it's Carper the um no or not Carper one of the the Del- Chris Coons Delaware senator. Oh, he has sucks. Re- he's routinely gotten mad about stuff where he's like I think we'd all like to be home for Valentine's Day. So can we get this vote wrapped up? And it's like no one fucking goes home for Valentine's Day. Like you need to spend Arbor Day with your family. <laughs> now, the thing I was going to say Andy and you touched on this was that I felt like the pandemic gave owners across all North American sports a pretty good sense of how they would fare. Uh, with sports missing from the landscape for for a good long while, and they were fine, they did great. So it seems to me like that would encourage them more towards uh, work stoppages in the yeah. future because they just know they know that that people will be back. Like I, you know, it wasn't their fault that the pandemic shut down sports. When they did come back, I was fucking elated. I yeah. could not have been fucking happy. And like in, in the crowds with the playoff games this year and football, I was like, I. I ate that shit up. I was so, so happy. And I, I think they have to know that at some point that, you know, it's really a question of whether or not their sort of evil, cruel, correct instincts will win out uh, versus their just sort of latent or inherent stupidity, I guess. Yeah. This is the part that makes me nervous is that I think the owners don't really, I think your assessment of their calculations seems totally correct to me. There's a revenue issue involving uh, splits during the regular season versus the postseason too, where like they make a lot more money on the playoffs and they have to give much less of it to the players. So it's like that is a totally correct assessment that they'd be happy to play a 60 game regular season and a full or expanded postseason. That's a good deal for them. The thing that bothers me is that I think that a lot of these owners don't beyond not having a plan. I don't think they really like or care about baseball very much. And so I don't think that something that amounts to flying the plane into the mountain, that like banging half the season on principle or whatever, like is very, very bad for the sport. And I don't think that it would bother a lot of them as much as it should. And that's tough too, because you can't, usually you can rely on their avarice to sort of like get you something like the status quo ante outcome because like they like making money and they don't have to work very hard to do it. But like spite is a really powerful force too. And if it's not, balanced against any sort of care for the sport or the institution or whatever, then like, yeah, like spite could win. That part is what makes me nervous about it. Yeah. Not a big fan of spite. No, of all the, of all the minor sins, it's one of the the less appealing. (laughs) My spite, totally valid and fantastic. I root for it it every day. My own spite, just absolutely, you know, I built a career off of it. Other people's spite, you know, that's really petty and small. (laughs) And I just don't. Totally illegitimate. Yeah. Hey, uh, Andy Barron, do you want to remember a guy? It's time to remember a guy. Oh, yeah. 
All right, this is a very this is a, this one's a layup for you. The guy remembering this week, former bear Curtis Enos. There once was a man named Enos. Do you remember Curtis <laughs> Enos, Andy Barons? Uh, yeah, I was briefly excited about about Curtis Enos, uh, Penn State legend. Uh, yeah, it was Penn State running back, the running back factory. <laughs> it could have yeah. it could have worked out better. Could have worked out better yeah. for the Bears for Curtis. Did he have a random thousand yard season? I know Rashawn Salam did. And then Sal- fell off the cliff, but yeah, Salam did. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up the the Enos number, the Enos numbers. Yeah. Um, Enos was a favorite in my circle of friends because of how his last name was spelled. Yes, with an I instead of an O. Yeah, Very sophisticated group of guys. Yeah, hardcore he, thinkers. So he made a run at it. He had he had a 916 yard season in in which he averaged 3.2 yards per carry, and it's really mm. the it's really the three yard carries that are sticking with me. Um, as yeah, I, as I imagine, as I <laughs> as I reflect back on the career of Curtis Enos, that's but, bear football, man. That's just true. Pure bear football. True. You run you run for three yards. You have made a classic bear play, and you get a free dinner at Tikasteka. Yeah, if you're rushing for five, like what are you showboating? Put some mustard. Put a tent <laughs> on that circus. I kept thinking that Enos uh, actually had a, a small stint with the Bengals, but I'm wrong. I was thinking of Cedric Benson because Cedric Benson did bears to Bengals and then like flourished with the Bengals and was fucking terrible as a bear. So whatever, yeah. whatever the bears are doing to running backs, they really need to stop doing it. Uh, let's <laughs> open up the fun bag. This is from Mike Andy. He writes in, if you, are not, if you or I were forced to compete in the Olympics, we'd obviously have no shot in hell at winning a medal. But do you think there is an event in which you could manage to not finish dead last? And if so, which one? Now, Mike went on to say that like he could be on the end of like Team USA basketball, but I don't. But fuck team events. I, you know, if you're Jack Haley of Team USA, I don't. I don't count that. Wow. Um, no, there's there's nothing. Does anything occur to you where you wouldn't finish last? I I, I don't think that there's any if. So if we're ruling out team events entirely, like if you're doing the the three-man bobsled and the other two people on the bobsled are really good, like I don't weigh that much, you know, like I probably wouldn't screw it up if they did a good job. But I can not imagine like accidentally backing into a 28th out of 32 finish and <laughs> luge or whatever. Like I don't know how to do it. I die. I have to think everybody on the like the three-man bobsled or the four-man bobsled has to do something. They're not just ballast, right? Like they have to like... They have think, jobs, right? I, I got to think. Yeah, somebody like, yeah drives, I can't, I can't I start like in the sled and everybody else pushes me, right? Like that might work out, but then I'm just, <laughs> but but then I'm just a like drag a, on it. But no. I can do like a, a shitty job pushing and then I get in there and like someone else is steering and I'm just kind of hanging out like I don't know, on my phone or something being like, just tell me when we're done. Like I'll stand does up. It, like does it count if, if, um, if we're skiing and I just managed to get down the mountain and other people like don't finish their run? Are they technically yes. last? Yes. Like maybe I could, I don't know, pizza and French Didn't fries I? my way down the, <laughs> down the, down the yeah. slope, right? right? And it takes me yeah. an hour. Um, like your teeth is just kissing through every slalom game. The Elizabeth Sweeney exemption where she got in the half pipe and just kind of like made her way through it. Yes. When she was representing Hungary or Venezuela or whatever country she was representing at that time. But yeah, she, I don't think she finished last in that. I might be able to oh, because I think off. people fell. There must be people who tap out of like the race walk and stuff like that. And maybe I could just, you know, slow and steady and, and I finish ahead of somebody because they dropped out because they went for it. I don't know. That might happen. I love the idea of just very slowly describing a wide angle through a slalom course <laughs> in a full, a total like little kid snowplow, just to, like yes. trying not to fall down. I was trying to think if there was if there was one like 
Like I was looking up online to see if like make sure like napping wasn't like an Olympic <laughs> sport or anything like that. Rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. 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 But it's it's tough. There's really not like even something that I like I can in theory play like golf. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fucking finish anything but dead last at golf in the Olympics. Go shoot hundred and nine. With golf especially, it's like you can't like nobody's gonna fall down playing golf and be disqualified. Like it'll yeah. just be like everybody else doing their thing, and then me shooting like a hundred and thirteen. <laughs> yeah, unless what you think you have diving. A... What about diving? Could you finish like second to last in diving? No, no, like, you're, absolutely you're not, not. No, because you're not doing. You wouldn't do any of the flips or twists or any of that crazy ass like Cirque du Soleil shit. You just do a dive, and you'd hope everyone else's dives would be like. You'd hope that everyone else would fuck up, basically. But you would be able to execute a basic I mean, I would be the one the guy water. who would get up there and be like, oh, shit, that's a long way down. Like, there's a oh, there's yeah. a 5% chance that I would just back off the, the platform. <laughs> yeah, I don't care for watching that, just for that. I'm not a, a heights guy. But, like, yeah, that's more or less how I would feel about it. Anything that I'm, where I'm diving off of a concrete platform instead of a little bouncy diving board, like, <laughs> yeah. don't care for it. Don't really think that's for me. I think I, I think I could do a pretty bitchin' pencil and get like yeah oh I would get like a four point five. I don't know what kind of points I would get for executing a can opener off one of those deals. I would do it, but I don't think uh, that I would be very well received by the judges. Nick writes in saying, "I'll start this email off by saying that I was always a fan of Drew's mashups. Thank you, Nick, and mm. thought they were unfairly well, you, railroaded. Nick. Wow, no thanks to you, Roth. In the spirit of the mashup, I started thinking about how some of the defector distraction recurring bits could be mashed up." And the idea that really got the wheels turning was this. Let's remember some grim men's evenings. Can you guys remember some grim men's evenings? I'm kind of thinking of my own, um, like particularly like Super Bowl or like something like that. But I, I'm not thinking of like historic ones like, like Paul Pierce being at his house and all that shit. Yeah, do you, uh, Andy, are you familiar with the term as it is used in the Defector uh, website and <laughs> lore. Oh, he should this. probably know. So it was Paul Pierce was having like a poker night with the fellas and there were strippers there and he was putting it on Instagram and he did get in some trouble for it. I think did ESPN suspend him or something, Drew, or did he like stop being on TV? They fired him. They fired him. Yeah. Right. yeah, he was fired. So what was notable about it and why it <laughs> like inv- led us to invent the phrase Grim Men's Evening was that, like, they were all sitting in, like, ergonomic office chairs in what looked like kind of, like, like a real estate staging. Like, it was definitely where Pierce lived, but it didn't have any any features. And so they're just kind of, like, playing cards, and someone's just idly twerking off in the background, and Paul <laughs> Pierce is talking into his phone. It's, like, bad lighting. The whole thing did not, it did not look fun, uh, and it did not, it was, like, of all the ways to get in trouble, like, it wasn't, <laughs> like James Harden giving like Lil yeah. Baby a hundred thousand dollars in a Louis Vuitton bag or whatever. Like this was just like a bunch of guys with back problems sitting in <laughs> chairs for men with back problems playing cards. Now I lived that for not the the back problem part, but like my whole twenties, like every Sunday I would go to my friend Mike's and it was like a grim men's afternoon. <laughs> for a while his blinds didn't work; it would just be pitch dark. He would make like chili that was too spicy because he didn't know how to cook yet. And we would just all kind of sit there with like tummy aches watching Aaron Brooks and the Saints because he was from New Orleans. <laughs> that was what he wanted to watch. Very bad. I mean, I loved it. Some of my treasured memories are that, but that was a grim men's afternoon every damn week. I think the grimmest one I had was I watched the Spurs beat the Knicks, the 99 Knicks 
the, the Spreewell Knicks in the finals, and I watched them clinch uh, when I was at a strip club in New Haven, Connecticut, called, <laughs> called Stage Door Johnny's, and that was a pretty <laughs> fucking grim way to watch the Knicks go out. It is an appropriate way to watch the Knicks go out, but it was also uh, it was also pretty fucking Stage grim. Stage Door Johnny's. Annie, can you remember any of your own personal grim men's evenings that you can talk about on the record, or you can remember someone else's grim men's evening if you'd prefer that like i bet mike dick has had a few of them <laughs> i feel like i feel like we've attended um what, what there have been enough super bowl parties that i had to like work through and i had to be like you know sitting in the corner with a laptop this is not exactly what you're describing but i had to be sitting in the corner of a laptop with no, a laptop no, I like while, while everyone else is enjoying themselves and seemingly yeah, having that's... a good time and, Not what you want. Yeah, and every every few minutes, I have to like weigh in on my opinion on a Super Bowl ad or something like that, or I have to offer running commentary. Um, I've had several of those where I'm just where where everybody else is enjoying the evening, and it is a totally normal, fun Super Bowl um, festive atmosphere. And then I'm the weirdo in the corner um, on his computer. Had a lot of that. Brutal. That was me in college. I didn't have to be. I didn't have to be reported to be that guy in college. I <laughs> right. college. This wasn't working. I just was that. Yeah, I just stood in a corner like a. F- <laughs> working through a party or like being on a laptop while other people are happily drinking beer is uh, honestly, it's like it's too real. Like that is yeah. as an experience yeah. I've had enough times. I used to do that when I'd go to my friend Lonnie's to watch the first couple of days of the NCAA tournament, which is like still you know as happy as I've ever been. You know, just like kind of like sort of fucking off work early to go watch like, you know, UAB playing in like a regional (laughs) arena somewhere. And yet, like I would always feel, especially when I, you know, like had actual jobs, like I needed to like sort of be on Slack. Maybe they need me, maybe whatever. And like that experience of kind of like sort of watching a game, sort of drinking a beer, but like doing it slowly because you're on the clock or whatever is just like you're not getting the most out of either version of that experience. It just stinks. Yeah, yeah I, back when I was drinking, I wanted to focus on the drinking. I didn't, you know. <laughs> right, like getting, right. Like, if you got to drink and work, uh, I mean. There's dedication to excellence that he carries forward in every aspect <laughs> yeah, of his life, yeah. really. You got to be focused. Well, this is a great Super Bowl podcast, and I'm so, I'm genuinely excited for the game. And I, I hope the Bengals win. I have rooting interest for the Rams for Vikings reasons. No one gives a shit, so I'm not going <laughs> to expound on that any more than I have. Andy, you were great. A great, great guest. Do you have anything to add before we go into the credits? Uh, no. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me. Thanks for inviting me on and for, for meeting my uh, extraordinary appearance fee. I'm surprised you did. If, uh, if I wanted to choose... Out of my end. If I wanted to choose a, uh, a DFS captain for this game, who would be my best bet? Would it be Cooper Cup? I feel like Cooper Cup is the most popular selection um I, i've gone with joe burrow he's been he's been my guy i've i've got some unlikely scenarios i also think there's a decent chance by the way you didn't ask about this but i think there's a decent chance that we see a lot of sony michelle in this game and maybe not a whole lot of cam makers and i don't i don't think anybody's really planning for that oh now now we know we got the inside scoop off that's very exciting yeah everybody that listened through to the end now they know yeah, that's right. Tyler Boyd. <laughs> yeah. For the most boring little to... nugget that's probably wrong. Yes. Pace, <laughs> listen to the entire podcast. Brandon Nixon, Corinne Walls are our producers. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. Thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Mm. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. 
wherever it is that you listen, and go subscribe to Defector.com too while you're at it. And go read Andy Barron's over at Yahoo. He's the best in the business, and we love having him on. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, man. Happy Super Bowl, everybody. Bye. Bye.